Welcome to the Broadcast Storm. This is Kevin Wallace, a double CCA and Cisco Press author, and this is episode number 63 of the Broadcast Storm, and it's entitled CCA Lab Insider Tips from a Proctor. Shortly after I finished my second CCA Lab invoice, which has now been migrated to collaboration, I had an interview with the proctor of my lab and asking some some insider secret questions, and they were able to share with me quite a few things, and I didn't know a lot of those when I was actually sitting in the lab, and I thought their perspective could be really valuable to you if you're going to be sitting a CCA lab in the future. Now, as a disclaimer, they did ask that I not mention their name, and I'll be respectful of that. After all, these are their opinions. They are not speaking on behalf of Cisco, but getting insight as to how a proctor thinks about your lab attempt, I think that can be very valuable to you if you're going to be sitting in the lab. Now, personally, I have a couple of CCAs. I have one in route switch, and I have one in collaboration. The route switch CCA certification took me three attempts to get. The collaboration CCA, which I got it when it was the voice lab, and then I took the test to migrate it to collaboration. But the voice lab took me two attempts. So I've sat in a CCA lab five times and failed three of those five times. It's not an easy thing to do. In fact, I remember after I finally passed my voice lab, I remember thinking that that was the most difficult thing that I had ever done in my professional career. And that's after I had spent about 1,600 hours preparing for that lab. After my first failed attempt at the voice lab, I thought, I'm going to get really committed. I'm going to make this happen. And from October of one year until my lab date in March of the following year, I studied every single day, with the exception of Christmas. I took off Christmas Day, but I studied every single day and put in about 1,600 hours of study. And even after that, I still thought it was the hardest thing I'd ever done. So it's not for the faint of heart. You have to really have a hunger to go after your CCA. It can put a lot of stress on you personally. It can put a lot of stress on your relationships with your family and friends because you're so busy studying all the time. It can be very expensive, especially if your employer makes you pay for the lab attempt. Currently, a lab attempt costs $1,600. Imagine taking three attempts to pass your lab. That's $4,800 just in lab fees, not counting your travel not counting all of your other preparation. So it's very expensive. It's very taxing on you personally, but the rewards can really be great. It can really set you apart in your field. And the decision that you need to make about whether or not this is something for you, that's probably a discussion for another day. I'm thinking of doing another podcast episode where we talk about, is the CCA right for you or not? But here in this episode, let's say that you've made that decision. You're definitely going to go for the lab. What are some insights that we can learn from this proctor? Well, one thing I asked the proctor was, do proctors access your equipment during the lab? There were these rumors that you were just cruising along, configuring things, and then suddenly something that was working earlier in the day is now broken. And the thought was, the proctor is accessing your lab and breaking something to see how you can troubleshoot and respond to it. Now, Cisco does have integrated troubleshooting in the lab. There will be, and this depends a bit on your track that you're going down, but they may pre-introduce some troubleshooting issues before you begin the lab. But this proctor told me that, no, the proctors do not access your equipment during the lab to do any sort of manipulation. Now, they might watch what you're doing. They could observe you, but they're not going to break anything. They told me that about the only time the proctor is going to do anything to your lab is you come to them and you think that there's some sort of hardware issue and you think something's just not right with the equipment. 
they may take a look to do some troubleshooting of their own. But they told me, and this was a surprise because I was expecting the answer to be, yes, we occasionally go break things. They told me, and other proctors might view it differently, but this particular proctor told me that no, they do not access and break things during your lab. I also asked about the pass rate, and this is going to vary from track to track. My two CCAs are in route switch and collaboration, so I was primarily interested in those, and these are the stats they gave me, and the stats I'm giving you here are for the voice track, and I assume it's similar for collaboration, but they said that for the voice or for the collaboration lab, it takes on average, and this is a range, it takes on average 3.5 plus or minus 0.5 attempts. That's the way they phrased it, so that's about three to four attempts on average that's going to take to pass the lab. For route switch, your odds are a little bit better. They said it's 2.5 plus or minus 0.5 attempts. So that's about two to three attempts required to pass your lab. Took me three attempts. I feel very fortunate to have gotten through the voice lab and only two attempts with these stats. But something that they said that was rather striking was that regardless of what track we're talking about, 80% of the people that walk through the lab doors in the morning 80% of those are going to fail. And a lot of people will realize that they're in way over their heads and they're going to realize that really, really early. And he said that some people, maybe around 10 o'clock, they'll get up and walk out. But he suggested that was really not a wise decision because even if you know, yes, I'm going to fail the lab, I'm way behind, there's no way I'm going to pass this. If you're dedicated to getting your CCA one day, You've paid a lot of money, or somebody's paid a lot of money for you to be sitting in that seat. Don't just get up and leave. Sure, you might fail, but you can learn a lot of information between 10 a.m. and the time that they close the lab. You can read very carefully through your lab guide, and you can see what sort of tasks are going to be required of you. You can get really familiar with the lab topology. How are things interconnected? What sorts of equipment is being used? What terminal emulator are they using on the lab? How are the troubleshooting questions worded? Things like that. You can learn a lot of valuable information even if you know you're going to fail. So if you know at 10 o'clock or whenever that it's not going well, there's no way you're going to pass this thing, don't just get up and walk out. Spend this time gathering information. And when you're in the lab, you are able to go up and ask a question of the proctor. And famously, their answers are not that helpful for most questions that get asked. So I was asking this proctor, how do you ask an effective question? If I come up during the lab to ask you a question, what's a good question? And he said that proctors are going to ask three things about your question. They're going to ask this internally, of course. You ask a question and they ask themselves, is this a CCI level question? They're also going to ask, was this question covered in the lab briefing earlier in the day? And they're going to ask, is the answer inside the lab guide? And if what you ask is not a CCA-level question, or you're asking something that was covered in the briefing earlier in the day, or you're asking something that is answered in the lab guide, you're not going to get a very helpful answer. They're also not able to answer a question such as, hey, I think the way to do this is X. Is X correct? For example, on the collaboration lab, I might come up and say, I think to answer this troubleshooting question, I should issue the debug H225 ASN1 command. Is that what I should do? They cannot say yes to that. Now, a question that I thought would be valid, I thought that I could come up and give, and this was the rumor, that you could go up and give them two options. I could go up and say, all right, there are two ways to do this. I could do it this way, or I could do it this way to meet the lab requirement. Which way would you prefer that I do it? I thought that would be a good question, and I thought that it's a needed question because a lot of the lab is graded using a script, 
And I thought maybe the script is going to check to see if I did it one way and I might do it another way. Even though I met the lab requirement, I might get graded off because of that. But this proctor assured me that if I were to ask a question like that, they would tell me to do it whichever way you want to. They said that if there are two valid ways of doing something or more than two valid ways of doing something, it's not going to impact the grading. Now, something that would impact the grading is if you're not following the instructions to a T. For example, on the collaboration lab, maybe you're told to give a certain name to an HQ phone. Maybe it's HQPH1 for the first phone at the HQ site. And when you name the phone, you say HQPHONE and give the number one. So you didn't do HQPH1. You actually spelled out the word phone. Yeah, you just missed those points. You lost points on that task because you did not follow the instructions. And the script that does part of the grading, it's going to catch that. I was also asking about the lab. Is it random or hand-picked? You see, different tracks have a different collection of labs. And Cisco is continually developing more labs for the different tracks. But, but let's just say, and I don't know how many labs are in the different tracks these days, but let's say that there are seven different possible labs that you could get for the collaboration track. And I was wondering, when you go in, how does that lab get picked from that pool of available labs? And the answer was, the proctor is going to pick the lab. And they're going to do it, if you've taken the lab before, they're going to do it based on your previous lab attempts. For example, let's say that in collaboration, your previous attempt where you didn't pass, your previous attempt was very heavy on Cisco Unity Connection. Well, the proctor's going to see that that's the lab you took the last time. They're going to give you a different lab. They're going to give you one this time that's maybe heavy on Cisco Unity Express. And they said that you will not get a duplicate lab until you have exhausted all the possible labs in that track. Now, I know there are rumors out there where people say that they've taken a lab and they got the very same lab. I'm sure that's happened. Maybe it was an oversight on the part of the proctor. Maybe the proctor did it deliberately for some reason. They have discretion to do what they want, but in general, and there will be exceptions, but in general, you're going to get a different lab every time until you go through all the different labs in that pool of possible labs, and then you'll have to, of course, do a repeat. I was also asking about the grading, and I knew that a script does some of the grading, but I was wondering how the proctor got involved in the grading, and he explained that the first pass is done by a script that's going to go in there and check things like the name that I was talking about. And then that script is going to send a report back to the proctor. And that report's going to identify some things for the proctor to go check. And he said that the script is not able to check everything on the lab. For example, you might have a troubleshooting question, which was give some show or debug output to explain why you're getting this issue. Put the output in a text file and explain which line of the output is telling you what's going on and explain what's going on. Well, a script is not going to be able to decipher your particular wording. So yeah, the proctor is going to have to read what you put in that text file. And he was explaining that in a scenario like that, where you have to identify a specific line in the output of the debug command. He was explaining that depending on which lab attempt you're taking, you're going to be graded possibly more strictly or less strictly. Let's say that you give some debug output and it's your first attempt at this lab and you identify a certain line as indicating the issue. But in the debug output, the line was actually maybe one or two lines above or below what you've identified. Well, on your first attempt, he said that's going to be graded very strictly and you're going to miss that question. But he said a really interesting wording. He said that around attempt number three or four, the proctors grow a heart. That's what he said. He said they grew a heart. 
So if you're just a little bit off, maybe you're off by a line or two, but you explain you really do know what's going on, if they know that you know what's going on, they have the discretion to give you those points anyway. Or if you maybe transpose a couple of numbers in a dial plan, if you know what you're doing, but you just mistype something, but you clearly know what you're doing, they have the discretion to give you those points. But he said that's probably not going to happen on your first attempt. That's going to be graded very, very strictly. And of course, after you walk out of the lab, you have a general feeling as to whether you did good or bad. I remember being asked how I did after I came out of my last lab attempt, and I said that I was cautiously optimistic. I really didn't know if I had passed or failed. I thought it was possible, but I had to wait for the results. And those are some agonizing hours to wait. So one of the questions I asked was, how long does a person have to wait to get their lab results? And what Cisco says will happen is you'll get your results within 48 business hours. So if you take your exam on Tuesday and you end at 5 p.m., you should have your results by Thursday at 5 p.m. at the latest. But if you take your exam on Friday, Cisco has no obligation to do any grading over the weekend. So it might be sometime on Tuesday before you get your results from Friday. Or if you take it over a holiday weekend where Monday is not a business day, you might have to wait till Wednesday of the following week to get your results. So if that's important to you, getting your results quickly, you might want to strategically schedule your lab day such that it's not at the end of a week or especially not over a holiday weekend. Otherwise, you might be in for a bit of a wait. Now, personally, the last two labs I took, I got my results in just under 24 hours on my first voice lab attempt, and I got my results in just over 24 hours in my second voice lab attempt. One thing to keep in mind is there are so many seats available in these different lab locations for the different tracks. So if you're taking wireless or data center or collaboration or route switch, if that seat is needed, maybe on the following day by another candidate coming in to take the lab, then the proctor is going to have some incentive to go ahead and get your lab graded quickly because they have to wipe your config to get the lab ready for the next candidate the next day or two. So oftentimes that can speed up your results as well. So if I were telling someone what I think is going to happen, I think it's going to be about a day just based on my experience. But Cisco says as much as 48 business hours it could take until you get your results. And you know, it can certainly feel like a lot more than 48 hours. And those are some of the insights that I got from interviewing a CCLA proctor. And if you're going to be sitting a lab in the near future, I hope you found it helpful. And if not, I at least hope you found it insightful. And on that note, we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode, and I'll see you on the next episode of The Broadcast Storm.